Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. I've been just praying lately, and sometimes when God brings you back to certain scriptures, and you've read over them so many times, and all of a sudden God is like, read it again, read it again. And it's not like you hear uh, an external voice saying, Victor, read it, read it again. <laughs> a lot of times it's in our heart, in our spirit. And we know that's like, hmm, that's an interesting story. And so that happened again with me. And I've shared on this passage several times before. But I believe God brought me back there for a reason. And I wanted to share my thoughts about it. And we have plenty of time. So I can go hour and a half probably. So be ready. <laughs> But lately, I've been asking myself this question, you know, Lord, show me what's important in my life or things that are more important than the others, because um, there's importance, of in, you know, in different things in our lives. Like, for example, how you handle a child with a scratch versus a, when your kid comes in with a broken arm, right? You'll probably react differently. And so a good example of that is in the emergency room. I mean, I've been there a few times for emergency purposes. Uh, I was actually always surprised to find people there sitting there with cold. There are people that just continuously run to the hospital just for any little little sign. Uh, and there's people that come in, you know. Uh, I mean, I've seen it. Like, guys' arms, like, twisted backwards. I mean, you've seen people probably with, like, some kind of arrow through their arm. Um, you can look up images. Just be careful when you're looking up. The things that you see out of your arm. Um, I don't know why I thought about this, but it was one of my favorite images. It shows a dad sitting with his son, and uh, the son has a bow, uh, and uh, father has an arrow stuck through his arm. <laughs> and it says, what a quality father-son time. That's for sure. They have a story to tell, right? But uh, there's importance in situation, different situations in life. And one of the moments I, reflecting back on a difficult year, we kind of this morning talked a little about sometimes when difficult seasons hit in our lives. And uh, 2013 has been just very difficult for me overall. Um, it was when my dad had a heart attack, and then later on that year, my mom passed away as well. And, uh, but I'll never forget this moment when I saw my dad being rushed to the hospital. What happened was I came home, and I saw my dad laying by the porch. Um, and I'm like, he doesn't look good. He's pale. So I rushed him to the hospital. It turns out to be that he was having a heart attack, and uh, I remember in that hospital room and talking about seeing when somebody is very important, when you have a sense of urgency, you know, when somebody comes, takes a priority over other patient, and, and I remember these different nurses and everything, they're asking, like, what's your date of birth? This and that, and they keep repeating the same questions, and my dad's like, uh... And then the doctor walked in the room, talking about when the doctor walks into the room. And he nearly was cursing, like not cursing, but on the most professional level you can possibly imagine. It's like, what are you idiots doing asking him questions? This man is having a heart attack. I mean, the doctor can quickly see and spot, like, right, something's going on. And he, he just like, move. And he starts just putting things into him and he's like, bring me this, bring me that. And I just stood there with my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, wow. My, I, felt, I, I felt like my dad was so important at that moment. Obviously, so many things were going through my mind. I was like, will I lose my dad or not? Right. It was very difficult, but I realized, I was like, man, my dad must be important. My dad must be important. 
And so, but we are important to each other, amen? All of us are. We're important in our relationships, and we're talking about our family moving forward, and our relationships is what creates this fabric of our church. But most importantly, not only we're important to each other, we're important to God. How many agree with that, right? We are very important to God. And because I'm thinking, like, how else do you explain that God Almighty would give up his only begotten son to die on the cross for us? We must be really important that he paid such a price. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and tell him the title of my message and say, you must be important. I know it's a little weak. Just say, I know. (laughs) You know what's so funny? I, when I was before, whenever I'd be in the church, and whenever I hear a preacher do that, turn to your neighbor, I would always roll my eyes. I'm like, you know, I wanted to try to see it. I'm like, now I get to do it. I can see if I can do it to see how it feels. (laughs) I can just see it in your faces like, oh, come on, (laughs) don't do it. It's COVID. I don't want to turn to my neighbor. (laughs) No. Oh, man, you are important. But um, have you noticed that Sometimes what you think is important to you, and later on you realize in your life that it's not as important to God. You really are. You're like just thinking like, this is it. This this is so important. And then either a situation will hit you, and you're like, oh, I guess that wasn't even a big deal. When certain certain things that are, you know, come up, they're much urgent. So my prayer has been lately, I was like, Lord, you're moving our church. You know, people are getting saved, coming to know you, getting baptized. But Lord, show us what is important. That we don't just get stuck and like, hey, I got Jesus and that's it. And we get stuck, right? We want to continuously move forward into what the Lord has prepared for us. Amen? So, um, and I don't want to live my life, you know, wasting energy and time on things that, which I thought were important, you know, only later to find out that they were not even that important. So, continuously asking lately, I was like, Lord, show me what's more important. Even right now in my life where I think, you know, I have it all together, I'm like, Lord, I need your voice. I need your direction. So... And we've been on this theme, you know, power of your testimony. So God is continuously developing us. And it's important that we don't just stay stagnant, you know, stay in one place, but continuously grow in God. You know, we should be able to dig into the word more often and understand what God's heart is for us. Amen. And Matthew uh, chapter 6 verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? And, but the thing is, I don't always know what that looks like at that moment. You don't know, like it's hard to say all things work together for good, those that love Christ Jesus and called according to his purpose. When you are going through a very difficult situation and everything hurts and you're confused and you're like, but this, this, and you're just frustrated, right? We don't know oftentimes though what it looks like. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? But there are things, like, that I thought were more important in my teen years. Like, the kind of pants I wore, (laughs) how my hair was. You know, not that I'm wiser, like, at the age of 35. (laughs) I'm realizing I actually don't know a lot. (laughs) The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, I don't know, Lord. I don't know a lot of things. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. It's my continuous prayer lately. What's important? Teach me, Lord. But, um... Now, you know, I'm no longer looking at certain things that were important to me in my life back then as they are right now. Like in elementary, for some reason, I reflect, and I don't know why I think of Lee pants, pipes. Those that are teenagers grew up, they know. It's these pants that are really wide, 
they were called pipes for a reason, I guess. And like DC shoes, these skater shoes, and and then you go to the middle school, right? Your hairstyle changes. You're becoming, you're understanding, starting to get your identity, and you're getting influenced by a lot of teenagers. <laughs> that can really mess you up. So parents pray over them when they're in middle school, especially. <laughs> but um, and then you get to high school, you're like, you know, all of a sudden you're paying attention to the girls. Begin lifting weights. You know, there's things that are different in season, right? And then all of a sudden you get to drive. And that is a very scary time now that I look back. But I felt confident back then, you know. Uh, but now I'm looking thinking of when my kids get to high school, that's going to be a little challenging. Like, Lord, I wonder how much technology will change. But we have self-driving cars that you can program a car and it will drive you directly to school and park it. It won't give them any authority to drive, right? I'm thinking about the future at the same time. <laughs> But anyways, what was important in one season uh, may not need the same priority in this season. And that happens with jobs, happens with things that may come our way. But this even applies to people, all right? And so the way it does, I know that everybody is important to God. and I believe that. Um, but God is unlimited resource, and he can love everyone. I'm not much like God, right? <laughs> There's only so many Things that I can put out and give out, you know, and things like that. There's so many, the best way to explain, there's so many bags of chips in the vending, she, vending machine of my heart, you know. Eventually, I'll run out. So that's why it's very important to prioritize things, you know, prioritize your, your family, your church family. And I believe God will direct your heart. So it's not because of what I tell you today. I believe God is speaking to every one of us individually when we hear the word of God. Because that's what the word of God does. It just, it touches our hearts. But um, there's times where you invest, you know, into somebody's life for a while, and you're like, come on, man, two years, three years. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, that wasn't worth it, right? It happens. So to speak real, like there's times where you invested in a relationship only to be disappointed, only in the very end to be, you know, backstabbed by them. That's life, right? Lord says in this world we will have trouble. So, yeah, so I need to be led by the Spirit of God to know, what should take priority in my life. And the last sermon that I shared um, before me and Robert shared on Mother's Day, but um, the sermon was called Get Out, right? And it was based on Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When we see Jesus stopping uh, to heal a woman on his way to heal a little girl, all right? So all of a sudden, we are shocked at Jesus' decision because um, the one he was going to heal, right, was the daughter of someone important named Jairus. He was like the priest, you know. He took precedence, if you think about it in a cultural perspective, like he was an important man. And he came, he's like, Jesus, my daughter's about to die. This is urgent, right? And then while he's heading that way, all of a sudden he's interrupted by this woman, the issue of blood for 12 years that she struggled. And this woman has not even given a name. So it just shows you an image of what God does and what Jesus considers important, what we consider important, all right? So, but he stops en route to the miracle that was more important and more urgent because who knows, maybe the, girls has, the girl has hours to, leave, to live. And so, in fact, while he stops to heal this unimportant woman, you know, to touch the cloak, to touch the robe of Jesus, this important girl dies, son of a, a daughter of an important man. But Jesus isn't concerned about it, obviously, because he is the resurrection. He's the resurrection. Amen? He is the resurrection of life. Amen? And his priority in this moment, Jesus is, 
is to show people a deeper revelation of who he is, all right? So the only way for him to give that revelation to these people is, you know, to upset their human priorities, their plans, and stop for something that is very less important in their eyes, all right? So that when he gets to the place of importance, the little girl is already dead. And this provides an opportunity for him to do something uh, he couldn't have done if he went according to their plans. Like if, if he was like, okay, cool, sorry, girl, we'll talk to you later. I got important things. But see, Jesus works in such amazing ways. And all of you can testify to that. How many times you're like, Lord, this is it. This is happening. You're believing. And God is like, hold on a second. And in that waiting, there's power in the waiting where you receive something so powerful. Yes, it hurts at that time. It's hard to say praise the Lord. It's hard to clap at these moments. But God is doing something. Only later you'd be able to reflect back and say, oh, wow, God, you did some work on me. I didn't realize that I was just only running to you because I needed you that moment. I wasn't sincerely looking for you. It could be a different thing. At least that was for me sometimes. But sometimes God will upset our priorities to show his power in a new way like never before. It kind of happened with Jairus, right? He didn't expect that. And all of a sudden, like, whoa, he gets a resurrection. So, and I'm thinking, if you're experiencing difficulties, at least for me, it's happened many times where it's challenging, uh, challenging things came my way all of a sudden. Um, I'm realizing that God is showing me the order of importance in things. Notice that, right? When trouble hits you, all of a sudden you start praying more. All of a sudden you're like, oh, Lord, I need you. You set aside, it feels like all the other things become less important. Did you notice that? It's because he is arranging your importance. And a lot of times God will allow a situation, not because he sent that situation your way, but he will allow that situation to show you the importance in your life. And so that's how I know God's presence is increasing in my life. It will shift my priorities, all right? Goosebumps don't prove the presence of God. You know, the feelings and things like that. I mean, I can get goosebumps from Mariah Carey, listening to Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston. I really did. I really enjoyed those singers, those authors. It's very crushed when Whitney Houston passed away. But, I mean, I'm serious. I, there are certain things that you just, oh, feels, you know how people are like, I feel good. And you bring you back to the high school days. You'll hear some kind of song, and all of a sudden you're like, woo, fly away. Those things do not prove the presence of God. And as Christians, it's very important for us to doubt every thought. Doubt every thought, every feeling that can come our way. Because those are feelings. All right? What proves the presence of God is when my priorities align with His. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. All right. We'll say a louder amen towards the end, I believe. Amen. God is rearranging our priorities as we're listening to the Word of God. Amen. So what happens is when our... This will require a collision, and I'll explain how. Because cultural priorities and godly ones are opposite, okay? <laughs> so in this situation, the law of gravity doesn't apply, right? Opposite to track weight. That's not a law of gravity. But um, this will often result in a storm when the cultural perspectives are met with God's perspectives. And what's so cool is in this season that we're in in our life, and God is really moving us and growing our faith, we're getting a more revelation of that. So anyways, now we're ready for Mark chapter 5. Apologize for the long entry, but <laughs> a story that Mark thought was very important to include for us. And then, I don't know, if you read Gospels, it's kind of interesting. If you want an action-packed version of Jesus' stories, read Mark. 
Okay? It's just, there's something about the, Mark decided to talk about God's authority, all right? So powerful. And I really like that. I've been stuck in Mark for some time now. Um, but imagine writing, right, uh, having to write the gospel accounts and then needing to cut some stories. Because Jesus did, even talks about, we won't be able to talk about all the miracles and all the things that he did. Because he, did, he healed so many people. He healed so many deaf ears, so many blind people. And because it's not like you're going to be like, well, that wasn't any good enough when Jesus healed that blind man. Like, it's hard for certain things to hit, hitting a room, you know, cutting a room floor, whatever they call it, when they, you know, when they're making a movie. And you're like, we got to cut this scene. And so, but Mark decided to put the story in. It's just amazing, though, reading uh, Mark, and I'm, this is a side note, but thinking of Jesus Things that Jesus did on his way to his appointments would have been our greatest accomplishments of our life. But he did that like left and right. So Mark decides to, you know, include this theme, authority, God's authority and power. All right. But how many know that authority is illustrated, not explained? All right. People who always need to tell you that they're in charge are not actually really in charge. They're struggling with confidence. It's true. <laughs> like, I'm the boss. I'm this and that. When you have power, you don't need to shout about it. It's true. All you need to do is just walk through my house and watch Larissa give a look. One look to Ryan, and he can stop in his tracks and be like, I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, just one look at Ryan, and he's just like, turns around and goes back. Anyways, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could be, bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore his chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. That's pretty epic. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day... Among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Nothing can stand in the presence of God. Amen. He shouted at the top of his voice. So obviously these are demons speaking through this man. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high? And you know, the thing is, your first response to God often is fear. When he shows up in your life with real power, real authority, there will be something in you that will resist that authority. Something will happen when you're like, oh, you know, I don't know about this. I don't know about the church. I don't know about going to church regularly. All sorts of things, right? Or somebody tells you something that is very important to your faith. Because it goes against any, like against our humanity uh, to be in the presence of, of the one who is greater than us. Does that make sense? All right, so, so it often causes us to reevaluate our priorities when God shows up in our life. So let's go to verse 7. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. So Jesus challenged the spirit, right, within the man. And the spirit within that man is resisting the challenge of Jesus. Because anytime the enemy has occupied a territory, right, for a while, he won't let go that easy. He won't let go that easy. Things that you've struggled for years, perhaps, whatever the addictions may be, 
when, when you really decide to get rid of it, when you truly decide to get rid of it, it's not going to be easy. It doesn't happen in an instance. You need to understand that because devil doesn't want to let go. That's his territory, right? So he already established a foothold, obviously. Then uh, verse 9, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. There's many of them. And the demons, right, they begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Area. That's, that's, they got a hold of that man, right? And this is where it gets really interesting because the Bible is way more interesting than you give credit for or what the culture tries to portray, right? Exhibit number one. <laughs> Exhibit A. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs. So we know that we're no longer in a Jewish territory, right? We're now in the Gentile region of Gerasenes because Jewish people don't eat pork, obviously. So um, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them a permission. He gave them the permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. This is where we get the term deviled ham, right? <laughs> Credit to Pastor Mark. Straight up. That was one of the greatest story things you jokes you said. Deviled ham. <laughs> those, those demons are now in the pigs and they're running down the cliff, right? So those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see. Obviously, that's an action. It's like if you see a police car pulled somebody over all of a sudden people slow down just want to see what happened but they want to see what happened so verse 15 when they came to Jesus they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed in the right mind and they were afraid those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon possessed man and told about the pigs as well that's very important then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, what I want to do is I want to jump back to Mark chapter 4. So chapter before what we read. Um, chapter 4, verse 35. Because uh, you can't fully understand what just happened right there, Mark 5, without first reading Mark 4. Um, I want to talk about the storm that came before Jesus got to this man. All right? This is very important. A storm before the miracle. So if we go to chapter 4, verse 35. It says, that day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Let's just do it. And note, right, that he doesn't tell why. He just says, what? And we're going to the other side. They're like, all right. And I like this because my question to me is like, can I obey God when he says it's time to go? Remember um, when the angel showed up in the prison cell of uh, Paul? Uh, a few weeks back, they shared about it. And he just like, get up, and chains fell off, right? It's obedience in those instances. Can you do, you know, what Jesus tells you to do? Just get up right now, right? Um, and if you believe he has all the authority, when God has all the authority, you don't need the full details. You just need to be obedient. It's for obedient Christians only, okay? <laughs> but we're... This is, you know, we are willing to cross over with the Lord. If he tells us, like, you need to leave this area right now and go back here. So, but note this, you cannot cross over without conflict. Jesus is moving the mission forward. 
And so Jesus is leaving the comfort zone. They were in Capernaum, right? Also known as Nahum, a place of comfort. So Jesus is leaving the place of comfort, and he's going where God is leading him to go. He's the son of God. So he's leaving the comfort zone, moving the enemy territory across the Sea of Galilee. So like some of us are doing right now, perhaps, you know, we're moving forward with the things of God, what God desires from our hearts. You're changing, perhaps, your circle of friends. You're changing your values. You have begun to prioritize the presence of God. Um, but let me warn you. <laughs> it's true. And some of you already have experienced that. When you make God your priority, the enemy will send a storm. It happens. I've, heard, I've seen so many times where I left the church here and I'm all feeling the presence of God. And the moment I drive out and somebody will just try to irritate me driving incorrectly. You know, because I drive correctly all the time, of course. <laughs> but you never cross over without a conflict, all right? Change causes conflict. The moment you put God as your priority, things will come against that. The moment you make a decision, that's it. I'm reading Bible every evening. All of a sudden, this favorite show comes out. Unless it's The Chosen, okay? You can watch that. I bless you in that because that's stories about Jesus. But um, the moment you make a decision, God, the priority, you really will just, things will get in your way right away. So Mark 4, uh, verse 36, 37. Leaving the crowd behind, crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. Now, verse 37. This is all of a sudden, right? A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I mean, Jesus is on the mission. Jesus already seen that man. He knows where he's going. And devil's like, oh, oh no. Uh, uh. And the, he sends the storm. Now, I mean, do you, do you expect devil to let it go? You know, let him go that easy without a fight? <laughs> right? Do you expect um, he would let you, leave, let you leave Egypt after, you know, being enslaved, you know, for so many years? You've been serving, you know, whatever, devil for 42 years. And all of a sudden, you know, you've decided to follow the Lord. And that's not going to change overnight. <laughs> the devil ain't giving up that easy. Um, and the reason this storm is raging might not be because, like, Jonah, you know, headed away from the will of God and God sent the storm. But it might be because you're crossing over into the calling that is in your life. And that's what the conflict is about. So Jesus is moving, and all of a sudden this wind comes up. God didn't cause that wind. I don't think that. You know, I've preached so, several times about storms in your life and things like that. And, like, you will survive the storm that you're going through and things like that. But there's more important question to ask um, rather than, you know, will you survive is why did you survive? Why are you here today in the church service? We can look back right now and we're like, man, there have been so many times where I should have been dead. I can testify to that many times. Have you ever thought about how many things the enemy did? Like even in your early age to try to stop you from having a relationship with God. When I think about that, it really just really makes me think deeper. And it really breaks me to this moment where I'm like, Lord, I don't even know how I survived. My decision making wasn't that great. But God is so sovereign. He turns everything around for good. Amen? Now, so remember, this is Mark chapter 4. This man hasn't seen Jesus yet, the one we're talking about. Yet there's a storm that's already sent out to the Sea of Galilee to keep Jesus away from him. Uh, and you're thinking, well, Vic, you know, uh, 
how do you know the devil started the storm? I, I truly don't, but I don't know, maybe it's climate change or global warming, right? <laughs> no, it says because Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. So Jesus doesn't rebuke natural elements. If you read through the scripture, he doesn't rebuke natural elements that God created. He rebukes demons. But why is Jesus rebuking the wind this time? It's really interesting, right? Because the same demonic oppression that was in that man was, you know, it was in that storm trying to stop Jesus from coming to him. So you were on devil's head list before you were even born. That's simple as that. So there are things in your family line. And I know that when you talk with certain people, they're like, man, my father did this. My mother did this. And I'm realizing that I'm doing the same thing. And I'm stuck. Because the devil wants to keep you away from the author, the true master that knows how to correct your life. Amen? And he's doing everything he can. So he'll do everything he can to, you know, from stopping you from being in church this morning perhaps. But I believe it's not a coincidence you're here. Tell somebody, you must be important. I want to make sure we're away. Because <laughs> despite all those storms, right? That were, sorry, I'm doing that again, getting you engaged. But because despite all the storms that had the, your name on it, right, all the winds, all the hurricanes, all those buckets full of water in your life, look at you. You're sitting in church today, taking notes, worshiping God, pouring out your heart before the Lord. I, that really moves me, thinking like, Lord, I must be important that I'm here. That you didn't let me go that easy. It really humbles me. And literally, I guess the best way to explain it is the, the way I know you're important is all I need to do is look at your storm. <laughs> because of your storm, it tells you that you must be important and that there's something significant within you that God wants to use you and he's doing everything he can to stop, stop you from moving into, you know, promises of God. And devil doesn't, you know, start a storm for someone who he isn't threatened by. Let me just leave that with you. He is not intimidated by those that he's not threatened by, right? He doesn't start a storm for those. Thief doesn't break in into an empty house, right? He wants to make sure there's some goodies in there. Probably he knows monitors and things like that. So that's what devil does. He's just monitoring you, seeing that you're like all of a sudden reading more word. You know, you're prioritizing time with your family in prayer. He's paying attention. He's a thief, all right? And so, I guess another uh, an example about importance. Uh, I'll bring you an example from soccer. Um, I have several soccer teammates here. I've used this example before, but um, Michael Biswell as well. Alan Bear, if you guys met him. Oh, there's Dare too. Um, whenever we play a game and Alan Bear is on the field, you usually have at least two guys guarding him. Why? Because this guy is so lethal on the soccer pitch. And anybody that know, or anybody that came and watched any of our Christ United games, his kick is so lethal. I mean, he cracked ribs of goalkeepers. The way by simply them catching that hit. So that gives you a level of importance, right? When somebody's important, you will guard him, all right? Yeah. It's the same thing if I was in the NBA, you know, game seven finals. I can guarantee you, like LeBron or Steph Curry would not be blocking me. They would, they would, they would let me run all around that court. <laughs> Look at my height, <laughs> right? I'm not important. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. 
You only guard what is valuable, right? So why would you guard someone who's not in the position to score, right? If, go, if you're going through the storm, there's something significant on the other side, guys. There's something significant. You must be important. Amen? Devil's just huffing out there, puffing. I don't know why I get this image a lot of times when you go through different troubles. You know that story about how many pigs and the wolf tried to blow? Three? Three little pigs. <laughs> and the wolf was just huffing and puffing. You know, I feel like that sometimes that's what happened. The devil is just like trying to knock you down, trying to knock your house down. Just when you got your priorities in line with your family and you have it all together. And he's just, he doesn't want to let it go that easy. But he can't break you down because you know why? Because your house is built on solid ground. That is Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. You know, for the longest time, I was so confused. I thought that, you know, the storm meant that God left me. Like, Lord, that's it. Where are you? (laughs) Think about it, right? Even Jesus, even God left Jesus when he was on the cross. And he needed to do that. Because there was something a lot greater, bigger thing happening behind the scene. Salvation of the whole humanity. So the storm means that he is on the way. I want us to know that. And next time, you know, perhaps a storm will hit a Tuesday morning. You don't know that. We can't predict the future. You know that say, Lord, you are on the way. Amen. Jairus thought it was done. His daughter's dead. They even said, like, it's too late. Why bother with the teacher anymore? People were trying to talk him out of it. Like, man, give up. What is this religion that you got this thing going on? What, What is this whole thing, faith, that you got going on? Why do you even go to church? People will always continuously try to deter you from where God is moving you. And so the storm is a sign that grace is on the way, right? So, because it says, like, the storm came up suddenly. And the, so the moment Jesus started in the direction of this man, the moment you choose to follow Christ, the enemy will send a storm. I want to plug in a James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. Just in this moment to encourage you. James 1, verse 2 and 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials or storms of any kinds, <laughs> that is just, read that again, and that's just a funny statement to read by the same, like from a human perspective, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials or storms of any kinds. That's not joyful. That's difficult. But look at it. It says, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Ooh. You're pumping weights in a spiritual perspective, right? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete. So you, be, so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God is making you, turning you into somebody that you've never even imagined of being. He knows your potential. Devil knows that too. <laughs> That's why he's sending the storms. So when preparing for the sermon, you know, I thought, well... When I get to this part about, you know, legion, this man with, you know, people will disassociate themselves, right? Because they'll read and they'll say like, well, you know, he was living among the tombs. He was out of control, cutting himself, breaking chains, cutting himself, whatever, you know. And it says that, you know, he had, his name was legion, which means for we are many, right? Um, And a lot of us will say, well, you know, I got some problems, but they're not that bad, you know. Are you sure? 
Because check this out, I started reflecting on this. It says, right, that he says he's li- he lived among the tombs. So we don't go to dead places sometimes, you know. For some, it can be a certain addiction. It could be pornography. And I really we need to call it like it is. For some, it's social media. They're stuck, you know, comparing themselves just, oh, look at them. They went on vacation. Oh, look at them selfies with their what a cute family and you're sitting there and you're draining your soul there's a reason they call it the feed right when you go facebook feed instagram feed you're scrolling that's a feed it's kind of like devil is being obvious (laughs) oh it's a feed let's feed your soul and it also says right he was out of control broke the chains and so there are uh, there are areas in our life i believe we're out of control it can be you know, excessive eating, drinking, spending, anger, gossip. And then the next thing he says, right, night and day he would cry out and cut himself with rocks. And you're like, God, well, that's not me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, so you never hurt yourself with your own actions? I'm, I literally, when I was reading this passage, and I'm like sort of reflecting on it again and again. And this was years back when I received that revelation, you know, because I, I kept running back to bad relationships. I'm like, why am I getting back into this relationship that I just came out of, which hurt me, and I keep cutting back, you know, cutting, coming back to it, cutting back, <laughs> going right back to it. So, and then another thing he says, right, his name is Legion, for we are many. And I'm thinking, how many personas do we have, right? Somebody the other day said, man, Ryan is a meanie you, <laughs> my son Ryan. You don't know how true that is. <laughs> there are many me's. And so there's a morning you, right, before you get out of bed and have your coffee. And there's online you. There's a Sunday morning you. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a Friday night you. So um, <laughs> can I make a confession? See, for the longest time I struggled thinking, I'm, Lord, I'm thinking like, Lord, how, how can I preach for my dysfunction, right? I'm... I'm dealing with issues myself on a regular basis, relational, personal, other stuff. I'm like, how can I preach, Lord? I should, I'm not qualified. And then the Lord, exactly, he is. But then the Lord showed me this image, you know, of these just good-looking people, good-smelling people. You know how you watch movies and they're just, just driving nice cars, you know, they go out into their, on a date with their wife. They, you know, picnic and a glass of wine, this whole thing, you know. And I just saw these people just, riot, I don't know, driving Priuses, Teslas, literally just the image of just these people that are just like eco-friendly, you know, eating hummus and kale chips, you know, have a six-pack. Sorry, is that too much? Is that too true? All right, I apologize. But, but, then, but then I saw these people, and I saw them at home depressed, taking medications, in order to sustain themselves. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I felt like the Lord said in my heart, it's like, Vic, you aren't the only one struggling. <laughs> you know, Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. People are good at putting on images, right? There are many of us. <laughs> but uh, God is narrowing it down. It's, uh, I believe we should be going from glory to glory, not to be stuck in that. Don't, don't make an excuse that means that I need to have these issues for the rest of your life. No, you don't want to live in the bondage. That's what this man was before. And then God came in, and he took that out, pulled that all out. 
So don't, don't, don't agree to a lot of these things that are beating you down that you're struggling with and if you haven't taken the action to do something about it. So I believe there's just an authority in that and I'm, I'm challenging you to do that today. Don't walk out of here saying, oh, well, Lord, I think you spoke to me, but I like this sin over here. It's, it's not that bad. It's, it's a pretty one. It's, it's, it doesn't impact me that much. Really, it's a very slippery slope, guys. I don't know why I felt to go there, but sometimes the Spirit of God just tells you to do certain things. <laughs> uh, after that revelation, you know, I was no longer intimidated to preach from my dysfunction. So, Jesus knew that this man was crazy, okay? That he had problems, like serious problems. But it did not stop Jesus from coming to him. And so these demons, you know, right? And I... Sorry, I apologize. I want to make sure I got the passage right. Just two highlighted ones, and I don't think they're going to be up there, but I want to encourage you with a couple of more verses in between building a sandwich here. Everyone's sinned and fallen short of God's glory. If you want to write down, that's Romans 3.23. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So everybody's struggling, Okay. May that comfort you, but at the same time, may that challenge you at the same time. You want to live life in the victory. Amen? So, Jesus knew this man was crazy, but he was still on the way. And if Jesus knew his issues, he probably knows mine. So, these demons within this man, you know, when they saw Jesus from distance, this is really important, they ran and fell down. Those demons know the authority, right, of God. And they're like, don't make us leave. They're like, no, we got it on lockdown here. We got this man on lockdown. We got these people in addictions for years. We got, we got this family because their whole line of family was struggling with depression. Devil is there. He's holding it down, right? But they knew this man was important to Jesus, obviously, right? And they knew that they're about to vacate the premise of this person's being. That someone is strong enough to subdue him has finally showed up, all right? And perhaps you tried everything else. Perhaps you tried medications, you know, you've tried whatever it is that you're struggling with. But I want to declare today that you're in the presence of the living God. We're in the presence of a living God who is here to set us free. To set us on a solid ground. Amen? And what works couldn't do, what medications couldn't do, what doctors couldn't do. God can do it. God will do it. But he always asks of our heart what we want. I mean, Jesus came up so many times I've said that. But he would come up to a blind man and ask him, what do you want? Because he wants our will. He doesn't just force himself in. It's like, Lord, I need this. It's very important that we declare that, right? We declare that before the Lord. But grace can do what different programs cannot do, guys. It's true. Now we get to the pigs, all right? Now we get to the important part. Why did Demas wanted to leave the pigs? I was asking myself this question a few times as I was reading. I'm like, why did they want to go into the pigs specifically? Like, because devil never wants to give up any ground. It's kind of like, you know, he's trying to get power or die trying. You know, he will take everything he can on the way out. I love it. I've finally seen that. So once he establishes foothold, he wants to take something with him. So, because he, he doesn't want you to be the first one in your family to have a successful marriage. 
to overcome aggression or, you know, anger. He doesn't. So he knows that you're valuable to God. You are in this place, and I believe straight up God is saying to you, you are important to me. Just put your name in there. You're important. He knows those people like us can make an impact. We're in the season and God is moving us and you guys are sharing your story. We're in this theme for this year called the power of your testimony. It's amazing. So Mark 5, we'll get to the pigs. Uh, 5.11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them the permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. They heard about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake where they drowned. And so Jesus is saying today, like, hey, I went across the Sea of Galilee for this man. I went through the storm, lightning, water coming into the boat. I know that everyone else has forgotten this man, but I didn't. I didn't. This man was very important to Jesus. This man was important to God. Now, if Jesus went through the storm to get to that man, and he went on the cross for our sins, then how valuable must we be to him Amen. after so many storms i love this jeremiah 1 5 look at this jeremiah 1 5 before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i set you apart i appointed you you put your name in it god is talking about you right here so jesus says okay you guys can go into the pigs and the demons make these pigs run off the cliff because demons know two things, right? They're like, pigs can't swim. But we already know that. <laughs> and what the demons knew that we don't know. I think the demons knew that people in that region cared more about those pigs than they did about this man. Everybody gave up on this man. Everybody. One thing after this passage I wanted to say this really made me change my perspective absolutely on every human that I come across. Person that you don't feel comfortable around, people that are just very unpleasant, people that may be cursing every time, people that are living in sin, whatever they're struggling with, home, whether a person's homosexual, whatever it may be. But this passage changed my perspective because knowing, wow, Jesus loves them. He wants to bring him out of state of the confusion. They are important to God as well. And now I'm like, I'm not ditching aisles at a grocery store because I'm trying to avoid somebody. I want to come up to them and say, hey, how are you doing? God bless you, brother, like Johnny says. I love that. Seriously, just walk around blessing people. All right, so these people, right, we got, I mean, think about it, 2,000 pigs. That's, that's a lot of pork folio. That was a dad joke, sorry. Of the, it represents a significant value of these pig owners, all right? Their portfolio, sorry, portfolio. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good dad joke. You can copy that. <laughs> so what does the enemy attack? What does the enemy attack? Whatever you value the most. That was their value, guys. I mean, that was a lot of assets. So he knows what you value. He knows what it hits you. He knows where it hurts, all right? And I'm thinking, how valuable must you be? And the most important thing is our relationship with God, right? But he knows if he can get 
people to offend you, you will send Jesus away, just like what these people did. If you can let people offend you, think about it, right? This is what's going on here. He knows where to hit you. He knows your playlist. He knows the things that you tell to yourself when nobody is listening. You're like, Lord, I'm nobody. I'm this and that. So he hits you, and you all of a sudden you might be lashing out on people. He knows how to keep us bound. That's what the devil is good at. And the devil's thinking, if I kill these pigs, they will send Jesus away. You know, in the book of Job, we're wrapping up here. Just stay focused on what the Lord is saying. In the book of Job, devil, devil was running around looking for someone, right, to, to devour it. And so, um, and God says to the devil, he's like, have you checked out my boy Job? This dude's real bad. He's he has his stuff in order. Like, sorry, that's Vic's translation. I mean, he's a God-fearing man. So, and, and then the devil says, oh, he's only serving you because his herd is still intact. Like, he's got it all together. Of course he's going to worship you, right? But then he says, but let me touch his family. Let me just get a hold of a little bit of his possessions. So, enemy will use anything to get to your faith. Anything. What's he after is technically your relationship with God because that is the most important thing in our life. But he will use the pigs to get you to push people away, to push away the presence of God. He will use people to push you away from the presence of God. He knows, you're, you know, he knows where you're vulnerable. And guess where you're most vulnerable? Wherever you put your greatest value. So God is reevaluating our values today, I believe. But I got good news. Right, guys, he only attacks what's valuable. So if, he's, if you've been under attack lately, you know, get ready to shout. Say it with me. You must be important. You must be important. If you're going to walk away today, say, I must be important. I must be important. I am important to God. Amen. I thought the storm, you know, meant that God has left me. But really, it meant that grace is on his way. I thought shackles meant that God couldn't use me, you know. But I found out God wanted to find someone that could break chains, that can break curses off the family. You are important to God. Think about it, right? Threw you in the fire. So just so he could show Nebuchadnezzar that he is God. And these men stood untouched in fire. That's the book of Daniel if you're interested. Um, and then like, you spend a night with lions so he could shut their mouths to show you that the authority of God, how awesome God is in your life. I'm seeing more reflection now, and I'm reading through these stories, and I'm like, Lord, that is me. I've, I was in the lion's den pretty much. You know, you get, you've been in situations like that. I mean, he drowned the Egyptian army, right? So the nations will know who God is. You must be important. You got to be. How else do you explain that we're still here? How else do you explain that? I'm like, this, this is why I'm here. And this is very interesting, guys. I'm wrapping it up, but check this out. After uh, Jesus set the man free, the man, you know, went down and got into the boat. <laughs> and because uh, he was like, you're not leaving me with these people over here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these, people are, these people are angry. I made them lose a lot of money. And um, 
Mark 5.18 says, As Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go, to go with him. We got a contrast now, right? Demons are like, don't make us leave. And the man is like, don't make me stay. <laughs> the man just wants to get out. Uh, so this man is right now clothed in his right mind, right? Just put yourself in that image right now. And, and he's like, I'm going to come with you, all right, Jesus? No more of that cutting with the stones, chain-breaking stuff. Like, I'm on the Jesus team now. He's like, let me do the books, you know, instead of Judas or something. But look at verse 19. Jesus did not let him. Pay attention, guys. But said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he had mercy on you. Power of your testimony, guys. This is a key. This is what we've been on. Jesus did not let him. But he said, go home to your own people. To your circle of friends. To your, to your employers. To people and co-workers. Impact your environment. God knows the kind of impact you can make wherever you're at. You know, I need you to go home to that same situation that I delivered you from. I'm taking you out of, you know, I'm not taking you out of it. I'm taking it out of you. Right? Jesus said, like, Lord, I'm not asking them that you would take him away from this world. No, but that we'd be in it. But we, we are the salt of the earth. Amen? So he's pretty much saying, I changed your condition. But I'm going to leave you in your circumstances because I know how impactful you are in your environment, your job, wherever you're at right now. Because some of us are questioning, Lord, am I in the right place? Did I do the right decision? Should I whatever went to college? Should I continue my education? When you are in your position, God will speak. He did that with Samuel. Remember when he kept hearing Jesus calling? Jesus has caller, uh, I mean, uh, wait calling, right? Call waiting. He'll call again. So do not be disappointed where the position you're at and you're thinking, oh, probably not, I don't know if I should be here in my career. But, but Jesus is pretty much saying, I want you to be a trophy. In fact, it's better than that. Look at verse 20. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which means 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. And, and the thing is, sometimes God gives you the faith to go somewhere. Other times he gives you the grace to stay where you're at. Because some of you might be in this place and you're ready to escape. Oh, I can't wait to leave Alaska or this valley. <laughs> God knows how impactful you can be in your surrounding. Amen? And this man that didn't even speak, right, becomes the first missionary to the Gentiles. His testimony reaches 10 cities, guys. 10 cities. We're reading the chapters after that. We're seeing people just kept coming on in droves from different cities. That was a result of this man. This demon-possessed man that we thought had no hope in future. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. God is moving you. You don't need no special giftings. God just wants you to go and tell your story wherever you're at. Wherever you're at. Some of us are going to be the first ones to break the chains in our family. You know, strongholds. Let me bring an example. What God does is he takes us, original, and we start struggling. And I'll use an example. One time, I cracked my phone on an iPhone. And it bothered me a lot. <laughs> it's not comfortable. And I went to Batteries Plus because they offered a cheap deal. And I was like, great, 50 bucks. Replace it. I went. 
changed it. I'm getting back. I'm pressing over here, and it's clicking on the upper left corner. <laughs> I click over here, and it's clicking over here. And then I'm like, what's going on? They're like, what's well, recalibration? It needs to be recalibrated. I'm like, can you do that? They're like, no. You should go to the original manufacturer, right? <laughs> Apple. <laughs> and, uh, and I went to the iPhone. They got me on a, I mean, to the uh, Apple store. They said everything. And they're like, here you go, Mr. Fonoff. And here's your code. And it works. And I'm like, it's amazing. And God, pretty much what he did is, you know, God brought this man to factory reset. That's what they call it, right? You need factory reset sometimes, and your phone starts operating everything. We need factory reset in our life a lot of times. But God wants to do that for you, right? It's up to us to decide. Only a master and creator knows how to do something beautiful out of something really ugly. And you think your life is ugly? Trust me. There's a lot of people that are a lot worse. I mean, it's enough to look at this man, right? You are here after so many storms. You know how many times you could have lost your life. Go ahead, Lonnie. Um, but God didn't allow it. If you're not dead, God's not done. Amen? If Jesus went through the storm to get to this man, right? He went across for him. He died on the cross for you. We are important to him. Amen? And the last thing, the worship team, please come up. But we're going to take this time to worship the Lord and thank him. I understand kids are having fun. They can play in the back. But we want to offer opportunity for prayer. Last thing I wanted to say, I love this about God, right? He selects what people reject. He uses the weak things of this world to confine the wise. He is the author and finisher of our faith. How many received something today? Amen. God is good. It is all about him. It's not a coincidence you're in this place. It's not a coincidence that the theme is called the power of your testimony. You don't need much to make an impact. You are the light. You are the salt. Live your life. And at the same time, just share your story. What God has done for you. It could be the littlest thing. This week, Mark Schmidt was sharing our men's carnivore. Just his hunting story. And all guys' draws were on the floor. How many things can go bad in one hunting trip? A hunting trip that was supposed to be what? Like a week turned into like, how many weeks? Two? Two and a half or two? He said two and a half. <laughs> so that's huge. But this story had such an impact. And I'm thinking, Lord, you come through for your people. Don't walk away here today thinking that, uh, I'm not no preacher. I'm nothing. I have a job and I'm happy. I said, if there's issues that you're dealing with, God wants to help you in that. God wants to help you do it. But it requires our desire. Okay? So let's stand to our feet. Let's acknowledge that, just accept the word of God, and then we'll worship him. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you're moving in our lives. Robert and the prayer team, feel free to come up. Ross, Celia, Pastor Mark, Nancy. Um, if you need prayer right now, I just, I urge you, don't miss that opportunity. We'll just worship for a few more moments. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.